Okay. So what we're going to talk about tonight, and Kevin, I apologize, it's all in King James again. Okay, but I figure you need some culture in your life. Uh, what we're going to talk about is what happened at the cross. Okay? What happened at the cross. Now, when you get this paper, I want you to put your name on it. Okay? I don't want you to be... Uh, uh, overcome with fear, we will not do all nine pages tonight. Okay? That's why I want you to put your name on it because I will collect it at the end of this session so you don't lose it, and then next week we'll finish it up. But I want you to... I want you to realize what happened at the cross. Okay? We should have enough, I think, guys. I want you to realize what happened at the cross. You know, you hear people say, well, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. God loves you. Jesus loves you. Died for your sins. But I, what happened there? What really happened on the cross? Why did we need the cross? Why, 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 why the cross? Why we need the cross? So we're going to, Brother Jonathan's going to be putting these scriptures up as we go, and uh, you don't have to put your name on the chart, because that's just basic, but you put your name on the other if you're going to take notes and stuff. We got some extra, and I'm telling you, the Lord worked a miracle today as I was finalizing and putting this lesson together. I looked down and I had said, I have nine pages, oh Lord. And then I thought, I'm going to put those double-sided. That means I'm going to have five pages. I'm going to have to staple every one of those at least 35 times. It's Jesus. I can't. And the Lord brought revelation to me. The copier has a stapler on it. Thank you, Lord. You know, you just thank the Lord for the small things, and he'll take care of the big things. Yes, he will. He will do it. He will do it. Uh, one of these? Okay. All right. You can have one. All right. So last week we did a little test on the gospel, the good news, right? We did a little test on the gospel, the good news, and so why do we even have a gospel? Why was there even a cross? Why did Jesus die on the cross? So what, what I want to talk about tonight is why Jesus died on the cross. What happened when he died on the cross? What happened? I mean, so, first of all, everything in the Old Testament is fulfilled in the New Testament. Okay? There was, in Egypt, a lamb that was sacrificed for a family. Yes? And that happened on what day, what night? Passover. Because the Lord said, you take the, the blood of the lamb and you put it on the doorpost and on the top, on the lintel there, and when I see the blood, I will pass over. Well, that didn't stop there because the Lord said, you're going to do this for generations to come. You're going to do this every year. You're going to remember this. So every year they had a Passover feast, a celebration, and they killed a lamb for each house. And eventually they killed a lamb for a nation. That the high priest went in 
and took the blood and put it on the mercy seat. So what, what do you think Jesus was? He was the what? The blank of God that takes away the sin of the world. The lamb. He was the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. When did Jesus die? On Passover. God is very deliberate. God is very intentional. So Jesus died during Passover. And then three days later, they would have a feast called First Fruits, where they would go out and they would gather first fruits from the wheat fields and the barley fields, and they would check and see how the, the, the crop was coming along. First fruits. What, what, when did Jesus rise from the dead? During what? First fruits, because he was the first from the dead. See how deliberate it is? And then they took the wheat and the barley and they brought it together 50 days later and mixed it together for the whole nation. What brings us all together, Jew and Gentile? Pentecost, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. How about that? We're going to have to study Jewish feasts, aren't we? There's powerful. Okay, so I want you to look at your chart. Brother Jonathan, you ready to fire away? Okay, so let's look at your chart here, and it says up in the upper left-hand corner, the gospel or the good news, and it says the first Adam. Okay, the first Adam. So this is the first Adam from the Garden of Eden. He was created in God's image, Genesis 1.26. And like I said, Kevin, this is King James. I'm sorry. Huh? You don't have to fill in any blanks on this one. Just be a good listener. If you'd like to take some notes in New Living Translation language, you can. All right? You don't have to do notes in King James. All right. Genesis 1.26. Now, this is an interesting scripture here as well. It says this, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now, what's interesting about this scripture is those first five letters, those first five words after God said, it said, let us make man in our image. So a lot of scholars say, well, that was the Father talking to the Son who was talking to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit was talking back to the Father, and then the Son was talking to the Holy Spirit, and then the Son talking to the Father. Some people say, well, that was the Lord talking to the angels. Some say, now watch this one, some say that that was the Lord talking ahead in eternity, talking to the church. Wow. Now, you've got to remember something. God knows no time. So God is standing here, and he sees everything. He sees your beginning, your middle, and your end. He's not, he's not, his vision is not blocked by time or events or mountains. His vision of, 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 of the world's events is not blocked by any circumstances. He sees it all. He sees it all. And so, 
It says, and let us make man in our image. So man is created in the image of God. Another statement, it says this. When they said, let us make man in our image, that in the original language, the Old Testament was written in what language? Hebrew. Yes, the New Testament was written in Greek. Okay, the New Testament was written in Greek, original language. It's called Koine Greek. It's extinct now. They don't use it anymore. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. But when they, when they would translate the word God to the Jews, it was so majestic and so powerful that one single, singular word could not even fathom it, hold it, give it enough justice. So they made it a plural word. If you meet Hasidic and Orthodox Jews today, many of them will not say the word God because they hold God in such high esteem. So man here, Adam, is created in God's image. And he's given dominion over the earth, Genesis 1, 26 and 20 through 28. And it's, we already read that. Let us make man in our image. Read on, 20, verse 27. Now, this may be a little bit different. This is authorized King James, so it should be all right. So God created man. Now look, so verse 26 said, let us make man in our image. Verse 27 says, so God made man in his own image. Singular. See how it, that's why I lean toward the translation in, from, to the Jewish language of the word God being a plural God because of his majesty and the majestic position which he holds in that culture. Okay? So in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Next, please. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God gives dominion to man over the whole earth. Man has dominion. When you step on that bug, that's dominion. God gave you dominion. When you take authority over a situation, that's dominion. So that is man. He's created in God's image, and he has dominion. So that's that first block right there. But if you look on the chart, it's going down. You see how it's going down? We're having a decline here. And we're going to the next one that says disobedience resulted in. There's several things that disobedience results in. First of all, it results in sin. Romans 5.19 says this, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. All of us were made sinners because one man sinned. All of us are going to die because one man sinned. Now that would bring out the that's not fair crowd, wouldn't it? Why should I have to die because of their sin, their disobedience? All of us are going to, some of us are going to have diseases because of one man and one woman's sin. So disobedience brings sin. It brings spiritual death. Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17 says this, 
And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Now, if you've got you to remember something here. Man was not physical like we are now at that point. Man's a spirit being, okay? If Adam and Eve would not have sinned, they would, they would be here in church tonight with us. They probably would have had to take Uber or something to get here, you know, take the train. Because the spirit being would not have died. It was after man sinned that the body that is subject to death and disease came. Really? Yeah. Yeah. God took dust and formed man, and he became a living soul. So spiritual death. Separation is coming. Do you know what? When you disobey God, you're separated from God. Let me give you an example. There's a separation when you sin all week and you come to church on Sunday and you feel like a slug. And, you know, you're back there sitting in the pew and the leader says, let's lift our hands. And it feels like you've got like your hands are like frozen concrete, stuck in concrete. You feel dirty. You feel like everybody knows what you did on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night. You got a mint to try to cover your breath. We feel dirty. Why? Because sin brings separation. So we're on this downward spiral. Man is on this downward, downward spiral right now. So separation from God. Ephesians, or I'm sorry, Romans chapter 5. Whereas by one man sin entered into the world and death... By sin, see, there wouldn't have been death if there wouldn't have been sin. So death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. We were sinners before we even got a chance to sin. We were born sinners. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, so let me ask you this. This is what I've discovered in this scripture years ago. Maybe you'll help, it'll help you out a little bit. For the wages of sin is death. What is a wage? A wage is a compensation for an act of labor. Right? So the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. A gift is free. So I have to work to die. But I can get a gift of life to live forever. The wages of sin is death. The Lord wants to set us free from the wages and the work of sin. The Lord wants to set us free from that. So that's why when people say, well, Jesus died on the cross. Yeah, but what all does that entail? He is picking up the entire human race. He is picking up everything from before, current, and after him. You want to know how sin treats you? Look at what Jesus was from the garden to the, to the crucifixion. That's what sin does to you. He's in the garden. He's sweating great drops of blood. Doctors will tell you that under tremendous stress and under tremendous pressure, 
that actually veins and capillaries under your skin will begin to burst and you will be sweating out of your pores as it was blood. Why was he so stressed? He had the sin of the world on him. I don't know. People who aren't living for the Lord, they got a lot of stress. If you're living for the Lord, you still have stress. Just think what it is if you're not living for the Lord, how much stress there is. All right, let's continue. So there's separation from God. Disobedience brings separation from God. Ephesians 2, 12. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's a sad place to be, without God in the world. I don't know what it would be like to live without the Lord in my life. I mean, he helps me find things. Okay, so because of COVID this year and the lack of not having enough time to do anything, I didn't get my taxes done until September, okay? Now, Johnny's the same way. Now, I know that when I was sick with COVID, Johnny was up here telling everybody I couldn't handle Chinese food. I know, I was watching it. He did that on several services. I saw it with my own eyes. I said, that little joker... That just means I'm going to have to take him for some Chinese and show him how I can handle Chinese food. But don't laugh at me about not getting my taxes done in September because his didn't get done until September either. Huh? Oh, business, business tax. Well, mine was business, business. Yeah. You know, I had all kinds of time. I had all kinds of time to do all kinds of stuff, and I didn't get it done. I hope you guys got all your time management skills down the last six to eight months, I hope it worked well for you. But it didn't for me. But I could not find W-2s. It's 7.57. I could not find W-2s. And I don't know if you've ever lost a W-2 and tried to get a replacement W-2. It doesn't happen just overnight. They can't just email you one, right? And I said, Jesus, oh, God, you've got to help me. You've got to help me. I'm talking about being on, in relationship, okay? I said, Jesus, you've got to help me. Find the W-2s. And I remember that I put them somewhere. Do you know the rest of the story? where I would not forget where I put them. But something happened, and I forgot where I put them. And I looked everywhere. Well, listen, has anybody been in my office lately? Not in trouble. I mean, just kind of, you know, passing by, bringing a snow cone or dilly bar. None of you brought a dilly bar lately. Okay, so Emily's been in there. Amber's been in there. So Jamie's been in there. I'm straightening it up. It's getting clean. And Amy's like, 
All those papers, all that stuff is in a file. Okay, right. Just find a file. If you can't find a file, I'll come find it for you. Oh, so condescending. So condescending. I know why the Lord made me with my personality, because I had to handle her. I mean, I said, do you, you hear how angry you sound? You hear how hard you sound right now? Ugh. So I went to the filing system, and there it said tax papers. And the W-2s were not in the file. So I'm going back to travail and prayer, and I said, Jesus, you got to help me find them. So the next morning, I was getting all the other stuff together, and I look up above the computer at the house, and I see two envelopes shoved right up there. And I said, in the name of Jesus, there they were. I forgot to call somebody two days ago, and it was like 10 o'clock at night. And I said, Lord, I am not calling them at 10 o'clock at night. Would you, when I wake up in the morning, would you remind me? And you know what? I woke up the next morning, and the first thing that came to me was, you need to call so-and-so. Thank you, Jesus. See, you don't need an iPhone. All you need is Jesus. What am I saying? I'm talking about we want to be in relationship with him where it's, this is a day-to-day thing. He is concerned about your small stuff. He is concerned about your small stuff. But sin will break that communion. And disobedience will break that fellowship with God. It separates us from God. So pray, Lord, is anybody on that level? Come on. Hopefully you are. Justice is on that level. Is anybody else on that level around here? Okay, good. You know what I'm talking about. Lord, you've got to help me. I am not to the level yet where I pull in when it's $375 billion lottery saying, Lord, what are the numbers? I'm not there yet, okay? Listen, number one, if they gave me a lottery ticket, unless it was a scratch deal, I wouldn't know how to work it. The other thing is, you go into all these gas stations and there's all this, you got to be 21 to go there and play the slots. I can't even tell you how to play the slots. I don't even know how to play a slot machine. Used to be from watching TV, I throw you throw whatever in and pull the lever. Do you do that? I don't know if you do that anymore. You just hook up your checking account to it and it just drains it all out. Amen. One arm bandit. Easy come, easy go. There it goes. So see, I wouldn't be a very good gambler. So separation from God. We want to be close to God. We were aliens of the commonwealth. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18 says this, Having the the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. There's a, lot of, of, there's a lot of adjectives right there. You know, there's a lot of description there. Number one, your understanding is darkened, so your understanding is no good. Number two, you are alienated from that life through God because of ignorance, and then you have blindness of heart. So how do you fix that? You ask God for understanding. You ask God for uh, Wisdom, and you ask him for vision. Help me to see. 
Help me to see. God wants you to pray specifically for the things that you need and want. The Bible says that you have not because you ask not. So why don't we start asking for it? When are we going to start asking for it? I wish some of you would ask for what you want around here so we could all enjoy it. Amen. So that's the separation from God. The next thing that disobedience made was this. Satan made the God of this world. Satan is the God of this world. Satan is the God of this world. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 says this. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now, I don't know if you noticed the church sign today or not. Anybody see the church sign? Okay, thank you. Yeah, thanks. I tell you, it's a good thing I don't work off of people's uh, whatever you call it. What do you call it? Begins with an A. Affirmations. Yeah, you guys are hard. You know, you're like Amy. You're just hard. I put up on, there on the sign, fasting and praying, 21 days for America. Join us. And while I'm doing that, I am thinking, how many people are going to drive by this church and say, fasting, those people fast? Some of these mighty Christians in 2020 are going to say, what is fasting? What do you do fasting? Others are going to say, you actually fast? So while I'm putting those letters up there in those slots, I'm thinking, Lord, I want to pastor and I want to be part of of a Bible church. Did you catch any of that? I want to be part of a Bible church. I want to be part of a church that still fasts and still prays. Now, I doubt that anybody's watching out there in internet land tonight, so I'm just going to be free. (laughs) I know that there are people in the world I know that there are people in this community that do not want this Holy Ghost speaking with tongues. You guys ever, have you heard that? Well, I'm not trying to reach them. While I was up there putting the sign up, I was praying, Lord, Let the hungry people who want a church that still fast and prays see this sign. If you're not hungry, listen, when I I fish, I used to fish, used to fish a lot, used to have a boat. Those days are gone. Those days are gone. Remember that song? Some of you don't. Some of you do. Those days are gone. I wasn't worried about the fish that weren't biting. I wanted to catch the fish that were. I'm not worried about the Christians who aren't biting. 
But 2 Corinthians 4.4 tells me that a lot of people, many people have been blinded and cannot see the light of the glorious gospel. They have been blinded by the lies of the enemy. So therefore, I am praying, Lord, remove the blinders from off of their eyes. Those that want this truth, those that want to be in a church that speaks in tongues and wants the Holy Ghost, those that want to be people who fast and pray, those who want to walk in relationship, don't let your feelings get hurt with all the lukewarm dead Christians out there who don't want it. Now that was good. Don't let your feelings get hurt. If I could just cut up a piece of I don't care pie and give each of you a little slice. Did you hear what flavor that was? Did you hear what flavor the pie was? I don't care. Like when I went into that convenience store in Carbondale, and that old guy that got out of that electric car went in before me, and I thought, oh, boy, I don't have a mask, and he just got out of an electric car. And I don't know if it was the Lord giving me a heads up and a word of knowledge or what, but I, I didn't know. I just figured all I was doing was getting a bottle of water. I just want a bottle of water. And I get halfway to the water cooler, and I hear somebody say, Well, you mask? That was mask language for where's your mask. And the first where's your mask, I ignored him. Well, he was very persistent. Where's your mask? I said, What? This is Carbondale. You need to wear a mask. I said, I came in here for a bottle of water. I'm going to get my bottle of water. I'm going to pay for my bottle of water. And I'm going to get in my Suburban. And I'm going home. And then in the back of my nasty mind, I thought, I wish I had my gun on me. Because then I could say, and not only do I not have a mask on, I drive a gas-guzzling SUV, and I have a gun on me. I really wanted to send him into an emotional breakdown. But you see, the Lord gave me mercy and kept my mouth shut. So I'm not worried about the Christians who don't want it. There are going to be people that will come here and they'll, they're hungry, but they're not willing to take a bite of it. They're not willing to take a hold of the Holy Ghost and fire. They're more willing to stay in a dead church and go through the depression and be sad every Sunday and nobody talk to them. Oh, I've heard it. I went to church and pastor, I've been going to church for so-and-so and so-and-so and nobody ever talked to me. And I said, well, come on to our church. Everybody will talk to you. Oh, yeah, but you guys speak in tongues. So what? 
I was on the phone with one lady. She talked my, both my legs off. Both of them. All I had left was nubs. She's telling me how depressed she is. She's telling me how lonely she is. She's telling me, and I'm not telling you what field she's in, but she's in a very critical field, and she goes to work drunk. I ain't telling you, Vernie. Quit trying to guess. She ain't a barber. She'll, she's got one. She's got her hair up here. And, no. And she says, I just need God in my life. And I said, well, come to our church. I said, I think you can find God here. Oh, she said, but, you know, they, they, you speak in tongues there, and that's weird. I said, you know, listen, that's when the filter dropped. I said, you have talked to me for 45 minutes to an hour. You have told me all of your problems. Do you think I'm weird? She said, well, no. I said, I've been talking in tongues 36 years. I said, if anything, I ought to be nuts. According to what you think right now, she said, I just don't think I can do it. You know what? This is for the hungry and the thirsty. And some will come and some will go. And some will come and some will stay. And so I'm just praying, Lord, send the ones who want to stay. Send the ones who are hungry. Send the ones that don't care what it looks like. Send the ones who don't care what it sounds like. Send the hungry. Remove the blinders off of their eyes. And let them see the light of the gospel. But they still want to live in disobedience. And disobedience separates us. Another thought that came to my mind today while I'm working on that sign was this. I know some of you won't come in, but call us when you get cancer and we'll pray. Because that's where you'll come. You don't, you, nobody wants to come to the Pentecostal Holy Ghost filled church. It is not the society church. It's not the highfalutin, highfalutin societal church. It's not the gathering place, meeting place where all the big wigs in town gather. And I don't know how many people in Van Day are big wigs. I like getting in a circle of people that think they're ho shows, King Ho Show. And they say where all they've been and what they've been doing. And I'm just sitting there. I've been in like 30 countries. <laughs> I lived in Houston, Texas. I've lived in Washington, D.C. I've seen two presidents in person, Bush and Clinton. And is Donald Trump coming to Illinois for a rally? Oh, I want senior. I want the corona sur survivor. Well, no, is he coming back? We only got three weeks. Okay, never mind. Scratch that. Scratch that. I guess we're not a battleground state. <laughs> I told Marcus the last election, they said, we got an Illinois, and I said, watch, Marcus, it's going to take about five seconds. <laughs> With less than 1% of the vote in, Hillary Clinton. Like, oh, my goodness. So they don't, they don't want to come here when everything's going good. But when everything starts going bad, they want somebody to pray. They want somebody who knows how to pray. And all of you have experienced that. They all call you. They don't want what you got. They, they make fun of it. Oh, I'm on a tear right now. They make fun of what you got. They say that's not necessary until they need something, until they get a bad report at the doctor. Until there's been an accident, then they want the tongue talkers to tongue talk. Yeah. 
Yeah. So what we're praying for, we don't care about those fish. We want the fish that we want to catch, and those are the ones that are hungry. So, Lord, remove the blinders off of their eyes. The God of this world has blinded them. How about that? I better get off of that one and go on. I've told you too many stories. Men become sons of Satan because of disobedience. John chapter 8, verse 44 says this. You are of your father, the devil. Oh, my Lord. That's Jesus talking there. And the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So men take on their father. Yes, right? My mom, years ago, my, my middle brother is Ginger's dad. He, at a distance, looked exactly like and walked exactly like my dad. And my mom could not tell the difference until they got closer. I mean, hair, glasses, the way they walked, the way they were built. I don't know what happened to me. I was a freak of the family. I mean, they're all 5'6", five, 5'7", five, and I'm a 5'11". I mean, what happened? I don't know. You know? But he was taking on the character, the traits of his father. We take on the traits of our parents. You know the story. The mom's cooking a ham for Easter, and she cuts the end off the ham. Her little girl looks at her and says, Mom, why are you cutting the end off the ham? She says, well, I don't know. My mom, your grandmother did it. So she goes to the grandmother and she says, Grandmother, why do you cut the end off the ham? She says, well, I don't know. My mother, your great-grandmother did it. Well, great-grandmother happened to still be alive. Okay? And they went to her and they said, Great-great-great-grandma. Whoa. Why do you cut the end off your ham when you, when you bake it? She said, no, she said, the pot was too short. The pan was too short, so I had to cut it off to make it fit. Some of you like that. We take on the traits of our parents, whether you like it or not. Listen, whether you like it or not, I'm telling you, I'm warning you too. I'm on the front row right now. You better work really hard to stay away from this. Because I looked at my dad and I said, I will never be like that. And lo and behold, I am like that. But I've been watching television, and television makes you smarter, right? And I realized there was a commercial that said I have an insulin problem that's blocking my belly fat from disappearing. I can't remember what product it was, but I know you got to buy it. It's $19.95, but wait. If you order now, you get two of them, just shipping and handling. What are you saying? We take on the traits of our Father. Make sure our Heavenly Father is in our lives. Don't let the devil lie to you. So Jesus, so that's the first Adam. But Jesus, the last Adam, came to bring life. He came to bring us life. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So the first Adam was the natural Adam. The second Adam, or the last Adam, was Jesus Christ. Because if you remember this, the first Adam was originally a spirit being, right? What is the spirit that was in the body of Jesus Christ? Spirit of God. Same spirit that was in Adam. Okay? So Jesus is the last Adam. 
For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Okay? Now hang on here till I get my page. All right. Did I do it right? Yes. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. And God breathed into Adam the breath of life, and he became a living soul. Right? But the last Adam, the second Adam, was made a quickening spirit. Jesus said, I am now with you, but I shall be in you. That quickening spirit of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. See how that happens? So by one man, death came. By the other Adam, life came. So at Calvary, let's talk about Calvary for about 10 minutes and I'll let you go. 10 or 12 minutes, maybe 15 or 20, give me a little space. At Calvary, Jesus did this. Number one, he identified with man's spiritual, dead spiritual nature. We had a dead spiritual nature. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9 says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Now, let me break that scripture down for you. Jesus was made a little lower than the angels. What does that mean? He took on a body. Okay? Now watch. So he who had created it all lowered himself and took on a body and actually became lower than the angels. For what reason? The suffering of death. Because in his original state, God, a spirit, cannot die. So he has to take on a body to die. Amen? This is another lesson, another time, another Wednesday night. What does it take to redeem us from sin? Blood. It takes blood. Leviticus 17, 11 says, the life is in the blood. Hebrews 9, I believe it is, says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Blood. A spirit doesn't have blood, so a spirit had to find blood. How do you find blood? You take a body on. So the spirit of God came into a body. Voila, a little lower than the angels. He was crowned with glory that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Next one, please. Okay. That's see, 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. So in the Garden of Eden, or Garden of Eden, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus is praying, and you see all of the stress and all of the blood and all of the pain, and you see all of the beatings, and you see all of the, all of the hurt and the whippings and the agony on Jesus Christ, what is that? He's becoming sin for us. Because sin destroys us. Sin destroys man physically. In 1988, my dad went to the doctor because my mom noticed that his skin was starting to get yellow. The whites of his eyes were turning yellow. He went to the doctor. This is what the doctor told him. 
In the doctor's office, there was a big picture window, and across from the picture, across from the building, was a was a cemetery. The doctor just gave my dad this news: in six months, if you don't stop drinking, you'll be right over there. So my dad stopped drinking. That was that was in nineteen eighty-eight, and he lived another what? 20 years, 22 years. But it would have destroyed his body. His sister died from cirrhosis of the liver. She was like 63. Sin destroys you. Drugs, alcohol eat up your body. Meth eats up your body. People putting poison in their bodies. People driving drunk down the road crash and wreck and and kill themselves or other people. Drug overdoses. Sin gets in our lives. Oppression, depression. People commit suicide. Young people. People in elementary school. Kids in elementary and high or junior high and high school committing suicide. There's no hope in their lives. Sin. But not only does sin destroy your natural body, then it also takes away and destroys your spirit man. Wraps you up for eternity, lost for eternity. So Jesus became sin in our lives that we might be made righteousness. We sit here tonight righteous. We sit here tonight righteous because we're like Abraham, we believe. Abraham believed God and God counted to him for righteousness. Isn't that easy? That feels almost illegal. All you have to do is believe and you're righteous. That's pretty easy. Lemon squeezy. He was made sin and sickness. Isaiah 53, 4 through 7. Johnny, did you have to memorize Isaiah 53 in Bible college? I did. I didn't do it very well. I got to see. I just didn't feel like doing that one. Can you believe that? I'm confessing my sins tonight to all you. All y'all. Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he hath borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. And he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. That is a wonderful passage. I shouldn't even told you I got a C on that assignment. And I still haven't memorized it after 40 years. I just haven't had time, you know. Dear Lord, I didn't have time to get my taxes done. I'm not going to be able to memorize Isaiah 53, you know. But if you want to, Isaiah 53 is a good one to memorize if you would like to so choose to do that. He was forsaken of God. Jesus was forsaken. Mark chapter 15, 34. And at the ninth hour, that should be three o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Elo, Elo, Lama Sabachthani, which is being interpreted, my God, my God, why Hast thou forsaken me? Who was talking to who there? His flesh was talking to his spirit. 
You talk to your spirit all the time. You ever talk to yourself? Who are you talking to? I mean, unless you got 17 people, get out of your minivan. Unless you're driving a little, unless you're driving a little coupe somewhere and there's 17 people getting out, then there's that stuff on TV, that schizophrenic stuff, you know. No, Jesus was talking to himself. He said, God, where are you going? Why are you leaving me here? He suffered the penalty of death for us. Acts chapter 2, verse 24. Whom God hath raised up, being loosed, having loosed the pains of death, but it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I saw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, and I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither will thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. He was talking, hell there is talking about the grave. He said, you're not going to leave my soul in the grave. It wasn't the end. The cross was not the end. So you see, Jesus just dying on the cross, was there was a lot more to it than that. A lot more to it. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. You know, when you lay down tonight, I, I hope that all of you can lay down at night and not worry and stress out and be up all hours of the night. I hope you can go to sleep, go to bed and go to sleep, okay? If you can't go to bed and go to sleep, I got scriptures to give you that might help you. If you really can't ever sleep, start reading the book of Leviticus. No, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. If you read the book of Leviticus, if you can't go to sleep by the second or third chapter, we're going to have to go heavy on, we're going to have to take you to the Chronicles the first nine chapters of First Chronicles, the genealogies, okay? But when, you, when we lay down tonight and sleep and wake up in the morning and we don't worry about when we're, oh, what's going on while I'm sleeping? I mean, the only thing you should worry about when you're sleeping is if your mouth breathing and how many spiders are walking in there in the middle of the night. Sorry. They say, I mean, they say that we only eat an average of eight in our lifetime. Have you thought about that, you mouth breathers? What's crawling in there? Flies? Locusts? You know? Woolly worms? Roaches? Like cucarachas? Well, we have peaceful sleep. Why? Because the Lord bore our sins and now we are dead to that sin because we live under righteousness we have peace in our lives amen amen i'm stopping there because we're going back to isaiah 53 and i'll try to memorize that for next my next assignment mark uh, please put your name on there if you've taken notes please if you like that page paper that you got Please put your name on it. Brother Danny and Brother Bernie will come by and 
collect the charts and the your notes. So I hope this is helping you. I wanted to, we, we broke, kind of went over the gospel a little bit last week of how the gospel is, the death, burial, and resurrection. But now next week, next week, you're going to see where Jesus had, was in the office of high priest. And he actually went into heaven and sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat in heaven. We got scripture for it. And I'll, fill, I'll give you this little tidbit. This is free, okay? This is free. Uh, somebody needs the free of the assignment this week. I want you to find in the Old Testament where the high priest had rules, okay? And you could not touch a high priest when he was ministering. If you touched him as he was ministering, he became unclean. And he could not go into the holy place, Okay? So if somebody find that, I will ask who found it. We'll see if you got, uh, you know, an extra star on your chart. So uh, Jesus sees Mary at the, resur- at the tomb. She's the first one to see him. What does he say to her? Don't touch me. Okay, so he says, don't touch me. A little while later, he walks into the room where the disciples are. Not using a door, by the way, nor a window. He comes through the wall. Ooh, right? And who's in there that didn't believe? Thomas. What does he say to Thomas? Touch me. Wait a minute. Mary, don't touch me. Thomas, touch me. Between him seeing Mary and him seeing Thomas, he had been into the heavenlies and put the blood on the mercy seat. If Mary would have touched him, she would have messed up the whole thing. Just like the Old Testament. Just like Passover. Just like first fruits. See, the Bible's awesome. You're living in a very awesome lifestyle. Amen. Stand up. You're tired. You've got to get out of here. Go home. Go to bed. Any of you having trouble sleeping? Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1. Start out with that tonight. King James. Start out in the King James. James. 